This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today, of course, is the absolutely fantastic, ever so fantastic Jojo. And to you, I say hello, Jojo. <laughs> hello. Ah, Jojo, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay for the most part. So, before we get started, I have a bit of uh, bad news. And uh, um, I actually want to take this moment, more than giving you bad news, I want to take this moment to render a little bit of homage. So, you've been to my house and you know that we have three dogs. And one of them is Roxy, who is very beloved. Roxy has been in my family since 2007. And yesterday was the end of the journey for Roxy. Uh After almost a year of terribly rapid decline in her health at 14 years old. So, you know, the reason why I want to take this moment to talk about Roxy is because... You've heard me say that if you love my kid, I will do anything for you. And this dog is the best thing that ever happened to my son. Yeah. You know, um, she adored him. She was always there for him. And basically helped us raise him, you know. Yeah. Um, Most humans give a, you know, godparent to the kid. We are fortunate to have given a dog mother <laughs> to our child. And, uh, you know, we had to do the right thing. And yeah. It's uh, probably the yeah. first time I'm crying about it, but, uh. you know. So Roxy's gone, and it's it's a terrible thing, but... I thought she... <sighs> Was and is a beautiful soul. She was always so sweet to me. Yes. And so much wisdom in that face. So much wisdom in that face. I am so sorry. There is no loss like the loss of a dog. They're just... Obviously, it's different than losing a person, but it's 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 a, a different chunk of your heart that you still don't get back. Yes. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, it, I, it, I've only said this to you and John uh, as usual, so I, I don't post shit on, you know, social media or anything. I, yeah. You know, so um, you are the first human alive other than my wife that I'm <laughs> talking to this about. It. I felt like... Uh. Um, so... Up to this point, I had not managed to cry, but he, he, I realize it's uh, not a good way to start a podcast, is it? <laughs> Crying is good, though. It's yeah. good. It's a good emotion as much as we are told to repress it and don't cry and suck it up. It's it's good. It's part of being human. Yes. And uh, that shows our humanity and the fact that Roxy 
can touch you in a way that, that, that a human would shows, you know, how special animals are and how special they are to us and, and, and that they, their souls touch our souls in a way that is so special and so beyond the realm of what you could ever imagine if you've never had one in your life. It's an amazing thing because, you know, you go through these and it's easy to just swear off having ever having a pet in your life. You know, yeah. but yeah. there's always you always fall in love with another one and another one and another one, and yeah. the heartbreak of having to help them transition to to forever is is just always gonna be there. But yeah. this is the second time I've ever done this. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't get any easier, man. <laughs> it doesn't. It's it's such a hard decision to make, and you feel like the worst person on earth, or at least I did. But at the same time, you know, it was like I, I have to do this. You know, it it is the right thing to do, even though it feels like completely the wrong thing to do. It's the not selfish thing to do. So I am so sorry, Graham. That is my heart hurts for you. And your Thank family, you. how 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 how's Jamal? So he went to work and said his goodbye. So I got home and my wife was already crying. And um, <clears throat> so when he came home last night, I told him to bring a beer and we'll have a drink in her honor. Yeah. And so he came home and. We just sat there in silence and had a beer, and then he went upstairs. Typically, he would, you know, put on his headset, turn on his video game, and play all night long. But I think he just went to bed. So, yeah. Um, I I I'm I'm hoping that he's he's okay, or if not, he's gonna be okay. Cause yeah, that was his dog. <laughs> yeah, and I I think. I think in some ways that's probably a good sign that he didn't try to distract himself from the grief by playing a video game or, or something like that. that he, he let himself be, be in that moment and feel that pain because it comes back if you don't. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does yeah. come back to haunt you. Yeah. You know, and uh, anyway, Jojo, I thank you for being the first shoulder on which I was able to cry. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was virtual. I need to give you a hug in real life. Oh, I'm so sorry. To our listeners, you know, I... Sorry that we, we started on, on such a somber note, but I promise you we're going to give you a very good episode. So, with that said, Jojo, could you please tell me what did you watch this week, Jojo? What did you watch this week? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let me think. What did I watch this week? Um, brain has gone blank. Uh, let's see. Let me think. I know I watched something. I watched... What did I watch? Oh, hell. It was on Netflix, I believe. I don't know. My brain's gone poof. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> so that's... Sorry. The in the meantime, so then let me tell you what I watch, right? Yes. So I have a couple of shows that during the two years of the pandemic, I, I got acquainted with. There are Brit, uh, Britbox shows. And 
you know, I watched whatever episodes were there, whatever seasons were there, and then I was like, okay, well, I should be able to move on from those, right? And uh, the new episodes, the post-pandemic episodes came out. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm going to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there, there's this show called Traces on, okay. on Britbox that I watch. And I think I talked to you about it. Uh, during an episode because it was about this girl who was born in Scotland and when she was a very young age, her mother was murdered. And so she was adopted by an aunt who lives in, in the Merseyside in Liverpool. And she went to school and became sort of like a criminologist and forensic person and took a job back in Scotland. And part of her quest was also to discovering through the job what happened to her mother, how her mother died, because she never believed that her mother, you know, that justice was done for her mother. So this show, the, the third season came out, and you know how, like, the British, they don't kill off a character or they don't hint that a character is about to leave the show in the last season, but rather in the first couple of episodes or right in the middle of the of the current season is when the character leaves the show. Yeah. So so the the actress the the the, the character that you know was like the, at the center the girl that her mother was murdered and stuff she was at the center of everything. In this season, actually two episodes in, she leaves the show, and the show takes a completely different route. So it 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 showed you that. You know, the show is possible without these two characters. And uh, I'm so interested in, in what happens next that I keep watching. Unfortunately, Britbox is releasing that, you know, on a weekly basis. Ah, uh, gotcha. You know, and so whenever I can, I catch it. I'm not, like, waiting every week for it or whatever, but, like, it's been five episodes in and I like what I see. Then there was another show called The Bay. With When I discovered this show, it had two seasons in it, so I binge-watched all two seasons. And third season came out, and it's a completely different new detective. So you might be familiar with the actress Marsha Thomason, who has done a lot of work in, in, in the U.S., and but but she's British, so... So she's now the new lead in the show. So, I mean, it's going great. I'm I'm loving my British shows coming back for some reason, even though I, w I can't say that I was originally attached to them. It's just that, oh, there's a new season. Let me see what happens next. And I yeah. kind of like the dynamic of it's not always the same person, that yeah. there's always a new character to to get acquainted with yeah. or a new lead uh to, to get acquainted with. Yeah, I think I think the Brits, this is my theory, but I think the Brits are more open to that kind of thing than a, opposed to American television, I think. And I think that's due to Doctor Who. Yes. Um, because Doctor Who is such a phenomenon over there and a cultural touchstone that, you know, having your lead character swap out but still, it'd still be the same show, but you, you have different characters, but it's still the same show is, is to them. I think they're much more open to that. Whereas our American minds are like, wait, what, <laughs> what's yeah. happening? 
oh, so and so left the show. I'm not watching anymore. Right, exactly. Oh, that was my favorite, but I'm never doing this again. So yeah. I, I think the Brits are maybe a little more fluid with that than we are. Oh, that is absolutely right. You know, we we, we fall in love with the character and the person who plays the character. Whereas that may happen in Britain, but like the producers don't give you that luxury of keeping the, the character around or the actor who plays a character around. And even the actors are in on it because at the, at the same time, they don't want to be pinned or typecast as... Because, like, whenever I see... What's his name? David... Uh, Tennant. David Tennant. You know, I know, yeah, David Tennant was my favorite Doctor Who, but I can tell that he's not playing Doctor Who. Like, I can accept him... In, in another character. Mm-hmm. I don't know that would have been the same the same reaction from me had it been like from the beginning all the way to now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> do you remember what you watched? I, I do. And I realize now why I let it go poof. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I missed, I watched uh, two docu-series, uh, documentaries based on a, a set of books that are written by a, a true conspiracy theorist. And uh, I put these on because I just really needed something mindless, but also entertaining. And these were kind of fell into that category. And I actually did learn one thing from them. So it's kind of interesting. It's, it's the the missing 411 is, is what it's called. And it is about the series of books is about this guy who is fully in the belief that there is something going on in national parks, not state parks, but national parks, that it is some kind of a cover-up, whether it be government or, or something else that is making people disappear. And these people all must disappear under this certain set of criteria that he has set up. It's like eight different points that he has. Like they, they have to have a, a shoe missing. They have to be near a body of water. It's a very elaborate list he has set up for this. So not really the best or the greatest thing I can ever recommend you to watch. However, I did learn that if you do go missing in a national park, or if you get murdered in a national park, that falls completely under the view of the park rangers and purview of the park rangers. And they are allowed to not ask for help from state or or other entities. So most of the time they do. Most of the time they do. But sometimes they don't. And so sometimes they just handle it all themselves. And wow. so I did, I did think that was interesting, which kind of feeds into that's what I believe started his conspiracy theory is, is that the parks are covering up the fact that people are going missing. So anyway, like I said, I don't really recommend that you watch it. <laughs> But it was, it was a little, it was sensationalized, but it was also at the same time, I I was very interested to learn that. I, I mean, I knew that there's different rules like for Indian reservations and things like that, but apparently if it happens on federal land, federally owned land, they do not have to call, call in help if they don't want to. Most of the time they do, but they don't have to. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes those people are never, ever found. I mean, you would think that you know, FBI should be getting involved because it's, you know, federal, right? Right, 
Right, exactly. That's that was his his point too. He's like, you would think the FBI would step in. He says, but they don't. They they typically don't. And uh, it's it's the park rangers are the ones who make the calls. Yeah, to be honest with you, that sounds like very good food for a conspiracy theorist. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna leave that one alone. In here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like I said, it was it was just uh, something to put on in the background, but that is what I watched, and then that was a an interesting little tidbit to learn. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I hear you. So, <laughs> with that said, we are going to move on to the show that we are analyzing this week, and so yeah, I think I think we, we uh, a little bit of a dissection to do of of these crime true crime documentary, and uh, so before we get in there, Jojo. Mm-hmm. I am going to ask you to just put it out there for folks. If folks who haven't watched this documentary called Bad Vegan, mm-hmm. what's it about in a nutshell? And then we'll go through some of the situations without spoiling, of course, because we never do that. Like, it's 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 very hard to not spoil, but we experts, so believe us. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> So, so Bad Vegan is the story of a woman named Sarma who became a very successful restaurant owner in the city of New York. It was a vegan restaurant. It was kind of the first of its kind. She was kind of on the bleeding edge, if you will, of veganism. She had a lot of very famous people come to her restaurant. And this is about the fall of the restaurant, how there was sort of rot from within after she became involved with someone that she met on the internet. And the kind of terrible things that happened after she became involved with this person, you know, that were illegal and and wrong, and uh, how she changed as a person, even as an individual. So that's that's kind of the the gist of what this is about. Okay. That's the gist. Very well. So let me ask you a question, Jojo. And the reason I ask this, not because I'm expecting just because you're a woman, you should have the expected opinion. You know what I'm saying? But I'd like to hear, what do you think of Sarma? What, what, do, you, what do you make of her? I think Sarma to me is very, very fascinating because she she has a very magnetic personality that didn't really, I think, come through very well on camera per se. But from people's accounts and the fact that she was called Sarmama by her staff, the way she took care of her people before this person became involved in her life, she she's she, you know, she's she must have a very magnetic personality. I think a very caring personality, something about her draws people to her. I think she's incredibly intelligent. She's very educated and very driven. And also there's an element there of, I don't know if naive nativity is the right word or, or, uh, an ability to have a suspension of belief I think that there is, and this sounds bad, and I don't mean it this way, but there, there's something about the personality of folks who do become true vegans, that they almost are, are religious zealots. 
about it. So I, I think that there is is something in the brain or the personality that is just a little bit different from everybody else. Um, and are the kind of people that, that might be drawn to cults or, or drawn to kind of out there things that, that can do things. And I, I, I'm not dissing vegans at all. I just, from my experience with vegans and from what was said in the documentary and what she said herself towards the end about one of the guards at Rikers, I was, I just feel like there's something different about these folks. (laughs) Something different about something different. Yep. Okay. So I will, I, I will agree with you that one, Salma is a very different person from, from the rest of us. That is true. And I think is that being different that makes her the magnetic type of individual that she was. Mm-hmm. I think also that I don't know if you if you've seen this, but there is a huge link between Western veganism with Eastern religions, with you know, with Oriental. Uh, and in this case, I'm talking about being in the Orient, not calling people Oriental been in the in the east side of the world that create this whole you know action reaction love everything and blah 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 in karma and this karma i was gonna say karma yeah big belief in karma and crystals and new age mysticism and and that kind of thing things will be repaid tenfold and blah 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 And, and, and and to a certain extent I think there's something good about that, but when it is embraced by people who are not endemic to these religions, to these beliefs, it can become cultish to the point where it leads to their perdition, to to <laughs> to to a loss. Let's throw John Lennon into this whole thing too, mm-hmm. as an example. So. For me, with the way that you've described her, it's it's the is the way that I, I I was I was thinking about it. It's is that. So here's Sharma, who is a shrewd businesswoman. She was good. Like this is a woman graduated from Wharton College of Business. Yes. Which, to be yes. honest with you, the worst business person who ever went to Wharton, to my knowledge, is Donald Trump. <laughs> but <laughs> everybody else that I've known to go to Wharton have been absolutely fantastic in the world of business, yeah. right? But also you do have a couple of things working against her uh, in a sort of lateral reality, if you will, is the fact that Sharma does not have any street smart, right? Does not have any street smart. And also, though she is an incredible business person, in her personal life, in terms of what love should mean or signify, she thinks of love as a mission to fix people. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know. Yes. But there was one guy that she wasn't willing to fix, which is the first husband. This is the... The, the business portion of her coming up right there and saying, oh, this business is going under, <laughs> you know, we're not going to have this. 
Yeah. So, so I'm going to take this away and I'm going to make something out of it because yeah. business was, was actively related to that relationship. Yes, it was. It right? was. And I think something that you said, you know, kind of pinged with me too, with, with really all of her relationships that we were at least told about, there's some sort of transactional element to them. You know, the first Matthew, I think his name was, Yes. you know, it was, it was, you know, you're not good for the business. So bye. And with, uh, Shane slash Anthony, it was, I can fix him, which is a transact is transaction to me. That's, that's right. a, 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 I'm going to put this into you and you are going to give me back this. Exactly. So, exactly. so I, th- I found that very interesting that she, she has a very interesting view of, of relationships and uh, very, very clinical uh, almost in a way. And very, at the same time, childish. Yes. Yes. Immature. And uh, I, I, I think that's a very bizarre <laughs> combination that kind of, I hate to say this, but kind of set her up for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so all of this is to say that there's a number of reasons why we can't be incredibly judgmental about what happened to Sharma. And I think what happens with this documentary is that it sets up everything for the viewer to say, she wasn't on it, it's her fault, she's only to blame, and if it happened to her, it's because she was dumb. And that's not the case at all. That is not the case at all. And the only reason you can believe that is if you are an oversimplifier, which is the sin that much most of us fall for mm-hmm. the the in simple term you know to put it to put it in in simple terms she was a dumbass and she fell for some dude that was clearly a con artist that wasn't the case that wasn't the case and and again this is a, one of those moments where i see that it is easier for society to blame the woman i'm sorry folks but here it is This is one of those cases where it is always easier for society to say, I mean, look at the way the media went about this. Yes. Yes. I'm going to get into the whole vegan falling for the pizza shit, right? Which Mm -hmm. Which is like some of the most childish shit I've ever seen in my life for serious, for serious media to fall into, right? Yeah. But yeah. but look at the way the media handled this. The vegan Bernie Madoff. The vegan Bernie Madoff. Like, there was yeah. all kinds of names in shit. Really. You have... If you are the press, if you are the media, your job is to investigate. Your job is to find out the best you can what happened as opposed to posting shit with a bunch of innuendos that i said to my wife i said so when this woman goes to to court to trial do you think with all that been posted she will ever get a fair trial unless you move the fucking trial to mars or something <laughs> it's true i it's mean true. come on yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You know? I, uh, I really enjoyed and respected the views and, and every time he was on screen, I kind of like ate up everything he had to say was the, the reporter from uh, Vanity Fair. Cause I think he had a lot of insight into yes. the character of Sarma as well as the story, as well as Anthony slash Shane. And when he talked, I was like, okay, this is really resonating with me, what he has to say. And I think that, that he was so good at, you know, pointing out the absurdity of making this story about her and the fact that, you know, people are like, oh, it's a vegan and they think they're better than us. So it's great to see one taken down a peg and that kind of thing. So anyway, yes. anyway every time he talked, I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, preach it. And, and, and to a certain extent, as you said, he went there, but he kind of kept it simple. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I was thinking about this while, while I was taking a shower before we started the podcast. I thought, yeah, the reasons that she was so hated and and hated in the sense that all that hate sort of like reflected in the articles and even in the in the in the tv reports is because the closest thing to the human beings primal days that we still do on a daily basis is eating meat mm -hmm. that's like sort of like our daily connection to our primal self and we don't like people messing with that shit. <laughs> Add to that the fact that this is a hugely anti-intellectual society that hates a know-it-all, that hates a liberal, that hates anybody who stands for something good and is preachy about it. So combine these two things in one person then you have this whole, I fucking hate you gods because you're a vegan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the problem is people's anger is, is misdirected, right? <laughs> because it is, the, it is because of the way the system works that it's easier for you to buy a bucket of fried chicken at Harry's Teeter or at Whole Foods instead of fucking buying vegetables to put on your table <laughs> easier yeah. and cheaper am i right like yeah you have to understand this this yeah. is not the fault of the vegan but mm -mm. the problem is so veganism became a thing of the exclusive of the of the elite you know this lady had a vegan restaurant and who was there all the time owen wilson chelsea clinton you know all the people that is either Hollywood or people going in big places that most most of the rest of, of society not hate but sort of like envies. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. veganism is their thing because they can afford it. And who is cooking this vegan shit for them is this lady. So I'm angry at her. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, you compound the misogyny. <laughs> into Bring all that of too. That. So you've got, you know, you've got a, a real recipe for, for a hateable person in the, in the minds of, of most folks. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why oversimplified, you are going to take the side of mass media in thinking 
Yeah. I mean, even at looking at the title of this documentary, Bad Vegan, she says she objected to, to it, but then at some point she related it to Roxanne Gay's, Gay's Bad Feminist title. And then I understood what she was she, what she was trying to say with that, in that although she doesn't consider herself, it wasn't it wasn't herself, you know, taking on the title of bad vegan. Much in the same way, Roxanne Gay is not calling herself a bad a bad feminist, but rather, if you are a feminist, you're bad. That's society for you. Yeah. If you are a vegan. You're bad, you're a hypocrite, and at some point, you will eat a fucking cheeseburger. Because there was even an article title that said, give this girl a cheeseburger. This is insane. This yeah. is insane. That's why I'm so angry at this whole thing, because it's just, it's just so childish, the way we approach this entire thing. Talk to me, Jojo. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... She, I think, generated a huge amount of hate because, you know, to start with, she is a successful woman. She's a successful, attractive woman. And she is in what is definitely a man's world. You know, when you come to culinary arts, there are very few famous women chefs. Most of them, I think it's like nearly all of them are men, you know, the true Michelin star beloved, you know, now I'm not just talking about chef personalities. I'm talking about in the world of, of culinary arts, there are very, very few women, women. This is a male dominated industry. If you ever do any reading about it, there are very respected chefs who will tell you that a woman is shit in the kitchen and always will be kind of like it, kind of like comedians. It's, 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 but, um, but more cutthroat. So, so she's hated for this. Absolutely. Which is not anything the documentary really talked about, but knowing what I know about culinary arts, I, I know that that is part of it. And then, you know, of course she is, has a, a, a vegan restaurant before anybody really knew for sure what that was, except for the people on in the know. And so she's she's a woman. She's doing this bizarre thing. She's doing it successfully. Yeah, and right. it's working. That's it's working. Oh, and, it's fucking um, working. She's attractive. She's got this, you know, what seems like a very good life to the outside world. So we're going to rejoice, of course, in, in her downfall. Uh, we're going to be thrilled that she's such a, a bizarre downfall story. And um, it's it's just, you know, it's it's a shame that there is so much misinformation, too, about abusive relationships. Yes. And the fact that abuse only exists if you have bruises. Right. And the fact that... If you're abused by somebody who legally is your spouse, it's still going to be looked at like, eh, it wasn't so bad after all. Right. Do you right. know what I mean? I, I, yeah, right. And the fact <laughs> that people are often, why don't you just leave? And the people... <laughs> 
I, I, I do not. <laughs> that's oh. the kind of thing that I, I will never, ever be able to comprehend. And I'm happy that I won't be able to comprehend that mindset where of yes. the people that are saying, why didn't you just leave? Because it's like, you don't understand how a person can get into your head yes. and convince you of things that are not true about yourself, yes. about your family, um, about your your values, your core belief system. Mm -hmm. You don't understand that once they're at a certain level, what they can do to you. And I mean, I suppose maybe it's a good thing that you don't understand that, but you need to have empathy. You seriously need to have empathy and understand that this is possible. And it happens every goddamn day, every day, all over the world. (laughs) And the cases that we know about, thanks to a documentary like this, are few and far between because this is more common. And the biggest problem with the why didn't you leave people is the whole this would never happen to me shit. Yes. This would never happen to me. This would have never happened to me. I would have never done that. I'd have been out of there in two minutes, you know, you you know, and I have probably been guilty of saying that myself too, honestly, because it's a human reaction because you're like, what the shit? Seriously. But now when you really think about it, when you actually hear these stories, it's like, you know what? No, I I can't say that because I mean, when she met this man, she was in a very vulnerable period of her life. She yes. had recently lost to someone. She had sort of thought there was going to be a relationship, I think, with Alec Baldwin, and that didn't come through. She was very devoted to this dog she'd just recently gotten. And so, you know, this person came along who, and I think it was our last podcast that I mentioned how important this is, but she came across someone who made her laugh. Yes. And that was it's not like it happened overnight it's not like this guy was getting funneling this money away from her overnight this took years it took months yes. it yes. was a very long time so i think that a lot of folks and you know it's our thought is that oh well this happened you it know, took four episodes him. it took the four episodes of the documentary for all of it to happen you know right exactly it took four <laughs> hours it took four hours and she gave him six million dollars yes. and that's that's not how it works and that's not but the thing too about very intelligent people is you know she seemed to be very much a loner and very much about so anybody that she let into her inner circle is going to be somebody that's important and that she feels is worthy of being in her inner yes. circle. She was definitely an introvert. They talked about the time that she, you know, she, of course she would come and schmooze at the restaurant because that's right. what you have to do. Yes. But she was playing a part. Yes. She was absolutely playing a part. She even wrote that in her, in her journal that, you know, <laughs> so she's not something, she's not getting something enjoyable out of, of having all these people around her in the sense of this is, giving me emotional she was giving all that out probably going home to her apartment and collapsing for two days yeah yes 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 (laughs) so so to have someone very close to her is 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 obviously a, a special circle to be in and i think that also is reflected in the documentary where her employees talk about her even the ones that lost a bit a large chunk of money still talk about her and you can still feel the love there. Yes, yes. You can still She wasn't feel... a toxic boss. Right. You know, I mean, so mama, like, you, right. you know, she right. made herself loved. Right. And she, she, she corresponded that love back. She gave that love back. 
Yes. You know, these people are angry at her and still can't bring themselves to to actually, you know, berate her or anything like that because they only have good things to say about her. One of the employees, I think it was the bar manager. It was uh, one of the, maybe it was the kitchen manager. It was a younger lady with, with shorter hair. She was talking about when she finally quit for the last time. And she was, she essentially wrote, you know, Sarma a book <laughs> explaining yeah, yeah. why she was leaving and everything. And she's like, and I never heard from her. And she's like, so I let three days go by. And I just was like, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. And she said, and I never heard from her. And you could just feel how much she was still in pain from the fact that she never heard from her. Yes. That it was still bothering her. Like, I, I loved you. We had this great relationship. We yes. had this wonderful thing going on in the re in the restaurant. And and couldn't you just tell me goodbye or, or fuck yes. you? And then, then I can hate you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Right. Yes. But, you know, so I, I feel that that really shows that Sarma was, was someone special. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to use that term because I think it gets bandied around maybe a little bit too much, but I do think that she was a, a, like a, a glowing soul and she just got mixed up with the wrong person at the wrong time. I, I agree with you, Jojo. I, I definitely agree with the fact that there was something special about Sama and toxic people like Shane Fox or Anthony Stranges know that and they can suss out these people and they know exactly how to go about it. But there's another thing that you brought up, another thing that you brought up that throughout the entire documentary, my wife watched it with me and I kept pausing because we both kept going back and forth that although the people that worked for her considered themselves her friends and loved her as a friend, but the dynamic is still employee-boss relationship. Yeah. So there's always somewhere that you're not willing to go right. in your boss's personal life. Right. As much of a friend as you could be, you're right. not going to go there. Because at some point, Chris and I talked about like, I mean, it, it was very early on that her employees started to realize this motherfucker is not good news. Mm -hmm. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And we're like, okay, well, an, an intervention would have been good. But again, this is my boss. What if she says, oh, you, 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 all of you motherfuckers are fired. This is not your business. It's none of your business. Fuck off. Now, it's my, here's my job, right? And so what this exposed very, very clearly, and again, you've touched on that, is the fact that Sarma was at heart, literally a loner. Yes. There yes. was no one in this documentary that came up and said, Sama was my best friend through college. Sama was my, my childhood best friend. Sama right. was my maid of honor in my, like she, no one presented themselves as I was never employed by Sama. Sama was my friend. There was no mm -hmm. such person. It was yep. either her older sister, yes. her dad, and the rest of them, all of them, were her employees. Yes. So yes. can you understand this kind of solitude? Right? This is why, hold your judgment, 
or sit your ass down. But don't come to me with this bullshit of why did she go so far? Because when you, you lead a life of such loneliness, whatever you want to call it, the devil might just come and make you smile and you'll be like, here's my soulmate. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And she, I think that is also really demonstrated in how passionate and how obsessed, obsessive she is about Leon, the dog. And the fact that she found Leon and then this guy kind of came around the, around the same time and Leon really liked this guy and she kind of felt like, oh, well, then he, he must be okay because... And to me, that spoke volumes about her personality and about how alone and, and a loner she was because yeah. of how much of her love was transferred to the dog. And which Leon was a cute little motherfucker, though. Yeah, Leon is. was. Leon is awesome. Leon's alive, everybody. Leon, yes. Leon's okay <laughs> yes. as of recording. Yes, but it 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 was. I, I I found that very telling, like a, a a peek into her personality that she became all encompassing in her love for this dog and, and having never had a dog before. Yeah. And I think that this person came along at the time, maybe when her heart had cracked open a little bit because of Leon. Yeah. And when Leon was like, Hey, this dude's cool. Probably cause he bathed in bacon or whatever. Um, you know, then that's, that's what, you know, kind of brought him into her life. I, I think that, that Leon was, was so important to her that she would have done anything at that point. Yes. Okay. Let's talk a bit about Stranges. And it goes to show you, I think the only one good thing, they, they touched that very superficially, but it goes to show you, the one good thing the documentary did is that it gave you a slight insight into Strangis' upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I happen to think that everything this guy was, his father made him. I happen to think that this guy started scamming because his father became a hero to him and sort of like trained him. And I'm not saying like train him like, hey, I'm going to teach you this, you know, like it would happen in a movie, but sort of like without telling him, telling it, right? Sort of like training him to masquerade as a con artist. Mm -hmm. Because the litmus test was the first wife. Yes. Yes. And it, and it worked out. It worked out. Yes. And daddy was in on it. Yes. Right? Yes. So I, I love that they brought her in on this documentary. I think that the, she is an important part of the puzzle and yes. gives you a lot of understanding into the actions of Sarma. Yes. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad that she's there and, uh, I think she gave a, a great interview. Yes, yes, she was she was a nice piece in this, and I think without her, we would have tremendously failed to see 
as you said, that 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 more important insight into what led Sarma to just go along with this whole thing. Yeah. And there were some crucial points where I think it's fair to ask, well, how the folk did Sarma start to see through this? And the fact of the matter is, unless you weren't paying attention, she too started to see through the connery of, of, of Stranges. What's, what's his first name again? Uh, Anthony. Anthony, Anthony Stranges. Because she kept telling him. And what I said to, to, to my wife was, see, every time it's like somebody fix, give you something that is fixed, like, right? Like sort of a mirage, a card trick. Mm-hmm. And they really want you to believe that this is magic. Mm-hmm. Except that you always catch the detail that makes it bullshit. Mm-hmm. And they take it back and f- 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 fix it again and tell you, no, that's not what you think you show. And the problem is that the more you're told, no, whatever you think you saw, that's not it. I'm going to fix this lie and represent it to you again. At some point, you start to believe, maybe I'm terrible at this. Maybe I should stop questioning. Yeah. And this is what yeah. people don't seem to understand. Yeah. I <laughs> narcissists are fabulous at gaslighting and Ooh. they're 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 so so good at it. And for someone who's never been never had that experience, I envy you. <laughs> yeah. But good for you. Yeah, good for you. You 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 had a happy time, but it it does things to your brain that have repercussions for the rest of your life. And will make you question absolutely everything you've ever seen or done, sometimes every memory you've ever had. It makes you feel like you're a crazy person. It makes you feel like you're, you're insane. It makes you feel like you're stupid. And to have that happen to someone who is, in her case, she's obviously very intelligent and very educated, to have that feeling is you've completely lost whatever control you have. And when you lose control, when you feel that you've lost complete control is when all of us just, we either shut down and just go with it. Yes. Uh, or we go crazy and kill people or, or right. kill ourselves. I mean, once, but once you feel that you have completely lost control of your understanding of reality and you still have a grip on reality. You aren't necessarily, you know, you don't have schizophrenia. You don't have a particular kind of mental illness that, that allows you to, to lose your grip on reality, but there's still a part of your brain that is like, I know what's real. Then once you've lost the control over being able to tell what's real, that's a complete loss of, of self. And that yes. is, is <laughs> the the loss of egos, the loss of self is something that unless you've experienced it, I don't know that you can understand, but we definitely need to be empathetic to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because here's what, as you said, narcissists are very good at, is at breaking you. Yes. They breaking you. And the way they break you is by breaking every shattering everything you believe yeah and what you may think that sama was in a relationship 
But in reality, she was in a cult. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry to say, if you profess any religion whatsoever, this is happening to you. I'm sorry. Fuck off. <laughs> you know, if you never listen to this podcast again, goodbye. <laughs> but there are too many parallels. There are too many parallels in this picture in comparison to, to, to religion. There is a very famous thing that religious people say when they are confronted with the word religion, and is it's a question of relationship and not religion. So basically, I'm in a relationship with God, uh, I'm not in a religion. Mm -hmm. And that sounds very intelligent, but it's the biggest pile of bullshit that you've ever heard. <laughs> because <laughs> because it, it, what... Anthony Stranges did to Sama is exactly what religion asks of you. Invest everything, your faith, your will, and also your money into this. And the prize is at the end. Now, I'm going to be very vague about the prize because, you know, good things come to those who wait. But Invest, invest, believe, believe. And then in the end, you'll have forever. That was the message. That was the fucking message. Now tell me at what of these doesn't sound like a religion to you. It doesn't sound like a cult to you. <laughs> what, what he is giving her too is a very cultivated image to... to <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like she... For someone who says, okay, it's not about religion, it's about the relationship. But the relationship between Sarma and Anthony slash Shane was what he cultivated and showed her, yes. what he wanted her to believe. It wasn't really a true relationship in the sense of she knew him at all. She, she didn't know him at all. Nope. And he didn't know her at all, really. What he knew was how to get money out of her, how to manipulate her, how to make her do what he wanted to do. That's how he knew her. It went right. in the sense of, I want to know more about you because I think you're interesting and I think that you're a good person and I think that you know we could have mutual benefit of, of knowing each other. He wanted a transaction from her. Yes, yes. And there's another point I want to make here because I know a lot of people will be asking the question. So I understand her falling for it. How did he manage to get the mother? 400 plus thousand dollars. How did he manage that? But he didn't get the sister. He didn't get the, the father. Well, that's precisely the case. A person like Anthony Stranges will understand that when a child comes from a broken marriage, there is one parent at least living with a certain guilt. And they will always try to make their relationship whole with the child or the children that they left behind in that relationship. And this is the kind of like, in a, any divorce, you see the fun parent versus the strict parent. Mm -hmm. And the children, when they're little, they're always can't wait for the day for fun mommy or fun daddy to come around and pick them up. Mm -hmm. Right? Whereas strict mom or strict dad is the devil, <laughs> you know? 
that's exactly to me. That's why, I mean, Anthony knew this, and yeah, he knew yeah. that he could use this lady's guilt to get to her. So I'm yeah. trying to help her, man. Yeah. But if it, you don't help me, I can't help her. It is fascinating to me how narcissists who they're full under they have such an understanding of the human psyche. And the way that people work. And that could be such a force for good. Yes. <laughs> but it's fascinating to me that it very rarely seems to turn out that way. And, and so he knew exactly which parent that was going to be. Just probably from the very first time he met either one of them. He oh, was yes. like, oh, yep, it's going to be mom. Mom mm -hmm. is going to be the one that I can get the money out mm -hmm. of. And I think, too, the fact that mom gave him money is further proof of the fact that Sarma was under control of his manipulation and his mind games. I'm not saying that she is a hundred percent. She's culpable in certain senses, but yeah. you know, if mom falls for it too, and he has an ex-wife who's fallen for it, for it, then it's to me, it's just more fodder into a pattern of how this man knows who to do this to and how long he can be on the ride. That's right. That's right. That's right. And it true crime documentaries are going to be there forever. Uh, I mean, it's it's an entire industry at this point. There are podcasters who can't bring themselves to be creative in anything else but true crime because that's what sells. <laughs> I think what I want to say to especially our audience is be mindful of the way you approach these types of documentaries. And I'm not entirely sure that we always get it right either. But when I start watching these things, the one thing I try to dress myself in, cover myself with, is humanity and empathy. And sometimes even for the guilty party. Because... If you don't understand where the guilty party comes from, then you are going to have that mindset of good guy, bad guy. Very true. And I know that the world is divided in good guys and bad guys, but we, we've talked about this in, in several times. You know, Dickens made a point in telling you a story where at least you will know where the bad guys come, bad guy comes from, the point of view from which the bad guy operates, where it will lead you to understand that human beings don't start at bad guy. There is no such thing as being an innately bad person. There are shit that you get away with, that there are personality traits that. You, when you try once and try twice and you see that they always, it always works, if you don't have a certain moral compass, then it's very easy to just go straight. It, it's, it's very easy. As you said, the kind of skills that narcissists have to understand the human psyche to the point of manipulating to their own will could be used as such a great force for good, but they choose the other path because it's 
easy and it gives them a certain kind of pleasure. But understand, understanding, and, and here's the thing, one of the reasons I don't want to approach this as, Anthony Strange was this, this, and that. I'm not excusing anything that this guy did. But the fact of the matter is, in this documentary, we never heard what he had to say for himself. Yes, yes. And I, I, I don't like that in a documentary. I like to see both sides of things in a documentary. I do wish that he had re responded to requests for interview. Yeah. I think it would have been good to see what he had to say for himself and about himself. And uh, not that it would necessarily change anything that he's done or anything that he is, but I just think that that would have been good to, yes. to, to have, you know, a more, a more, uh, a more complete picture of what went down as much as one could, because you're never going to know the complete story of what goes down between no. two people. That's, yeah. that's just the, the way it is because uh, the people who are in the relationship, their perceptions change and focus and memories change and become nebulous and that kind of thing. But I, I just, I do wish that they had interviewed him and I, and as it stands right now, uh, uh, sorry, Jojo, as it stands as it stands right right now, this is a very one sided documentary. Again, yes, I'm not saying that this guy is is any good. I mean, at least we had the ex wife to tell us, oh no 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 no, believe what you heard, right? Yeah. But it's still one side of the story. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. In comparison to, for example, for example, Sophie, the documentary that we did about Sophie Tuscanjou Plantier. Yes. This was a, a more rounded one because we actually heard from the guy who was accused to the point where we were able to draw the conclusion of, am I really going to believe that this guy did this? Or, I mean, you have a conclusion based on more facts than what you've, you've seen here, isn't it? Correct. Correct. Yeah, no, definitely. please continue what you were going to say. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I think that's, that's a fabulous point. I, um... I, yeah, I, I, I think it would be interesting to hear. And I, you know, as I, I think the, as Americans, you know, we want that black and white line. We want the, the good guys, the bad guys, the, you know, the cowboy hats and the, yeah. and all that stuff. But, and it's, but it's not an excuse to learn from about somebody's background that her father turns them into a con artist oh, because no. his father was in on this because he verified lots of his son's stories about <laughs> being a Navy SEAL and in black ops and all this other crap. So his father was involved in this. So, I mean, it would be, I think, very educational to learn how this came about. How did you get to be the kind of person who can get $2 million out of a very intelligent, very successful woman. Are you driven completely by the fact that you want to impress your father? Is this driven completely by the fact that you are uh, an addicted and obsessive gambler? Are you just bored? Uh, how did you come up with this fairy tale life of making somebody's dog immortal and, and this, this sort of like Illuminati thing that, that became believable and feasible to <laughs> An intelligent person. An absolutely intelligent, you yeah. know, shrewd businesswoman. 
Yes. So, so how, what, what got you to that point? And I think that that would be a really interesting facet of this story that was not included. That would have been nice to have been included. It does seem that they did try to reach out to him and he was like, no, but I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, he has to have had some actual friends or people who felt that they knew him and knew that something was off with him that they could have interviewed to talk about something from him. Kids yeah. he went to high school with or, or somebody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I just don't, I, I do hate that this is very, very one-sided. And of course, with hindsight, we, we could always say, well, you know, Sama was in a position to do all the due diligence necessary before letting this guy into her life, right? I mean, if uh, first of all, it is suspicious for anyone to tell you that there are black ops or CIA or, or or anything like the people that do this kind of shit. They don't, nah. They they just don't go around telling people. Especially like, this is women spouses that have been married for years and and travel all over, all over the world with their spouses and don't know that their their spouse is actually on a mission or something, <laughs> you know. So all the things that Anthony Stranges did and said were sort of like Hollywood-like yes. a, a point of view of what a spy or a CIA or a black op or some kind of like mercenary is, and those should have been the red lights. But again... That is if you know, like this lady says, I don't watch TV very much. So now I realize this guy wanted to be Thor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, it yeah. is just like that. There are people who are more comfortable with a book in their hands than, you know, going to the to cinema twice a month or something like that. Yes. And and he knew, he knew that was the case. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She she absolutely lived in a literary world. I mean, she mentioned many times about, you know, that she was reading. She mentioned her frustration at not being able to find bookstores. Yeah. Her Instagram account, you can see that her apartment is completely full of books. Yeah. When she was arrested, she was reading a book. So uh, that also is kind of a, a separation from reality, if you will. When you're when you're reading a book, if it's a novel or or whatever, you are out of the world that you're currently in and and in a completely different one. So, you know, if she'd only ever read about spies in say a novel, if she'd never read anything that was about actual black ops, and yeah, this makes perfect sense. This sounds totally logical. This is absolutely what you know what would happen. So. And to be sort of, and I'm absolutely not saying anything against reading books, but if that's literally the only way you're getting your information and your view of the outside world, it's very cultivated and very, very much to what your tastes are and what your beliefs are. And you can say that about anything. You can say that about television. You can say that about movies, obviously, but but if you know if you're only going to the very nerdy literary section of a New York bookstore and that's that's all you're reading, then you're not necessarily possibly understanding how the quote unquote real world works yeah the 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 homeless gentleman that she made friends with, whose name was also Anthony, and how much i I loved his character. And the fact that you could tell how protective he felt of her yes, and that he wanted 
like he recognized that in her, that she was not perhaps the most worldly wise of people, but yes. that she was special and that he wanted her to be protected. You know, his whole yes. comment at the end was, <laughs> what was I would have put his fat head in a bag and thrown it in a river or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm just, I just, you know, the, the fact that she connected with, with him too, I think says something about that. She was a, a different and unique person and, and someone that was, was, was searching maybe for, for a soul to connect with. And you know what, now that you bring up Anthony, I, I want to make mention of something that you know, when when this guy, the homeless friend that Sama had, who, as you said, his name was Anthony, there was something funny about his the way that he approaches things. Of course, he's he's the typical New York dude, right? Like he Very. is every stereotype that you know of a New York guy. That's that dude. Very. But also, there was something that he he said that was an insight into how American classism works. This guy is a homeless dude, right? Mm -hmm. But he's a northerner. Mm -hmm. And even being a homeless dude without a penny to his name, he still has a very poor opinion of what a southerner is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It, it is a funny thing because he said... Yes. Dog is not going to stay with no redneck, right? <laughs> yes. And that's a funny thing if you take it at, at face value, right? It's a funny, funny thing to say. Yeah. But think about this for a moment, right? I, I think, and I'm going to paraphrase, LBJ was the one who said that one of the reasons that why Southerners would not let go of Jim Crow is because no matter how poor a man might be, you can always convince them that they have a certain superiority over another man. Yes. And they it will buy a... it. They will always buy it. Yes. As long as you can do that, you'll have control. There's a more funny version of this saying, and it was through Chris Rock, and I believe it was on one of his specials, but I believe it was Bigger and Blacker, when he said, racism is such a thing that a, a crippled white kid wouldn't trade places with me, and I'm rich. <laughs> And let's let's change that from racism to classism. And what I mean by that is 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 exactly this point in, in that no matter how dire of a situation humans find themselves, as long as you can sell them the idea that they have a certain superiority over certain other human beings, they're perfectly okay with that. And this dude this dude expression reflects that. Again, a dude who is a homeless man in New York City is telling you, yeah, I mean, I was going to drive all the way to wherever it was. My point was, no, this dog is not going to stay with a redneck. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> really? Are you in any condition to judge? <laughs> no, and it's it's true. And I, I honestly feel and. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was thinking too when I was watching this that I think some of her decisions, and by her I mean Sarma's decisions, were based on class and the loss of status of class. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, as you said, at some point she realized this was bullshit. 
But of course, at the same time, your brain is, it's your brain on drugs. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's a kind of, of a drug is, is what this person is feeding you. But I do think that there was a part of her that was going, I can't, I can't admit defeat on this because I have all these people of high status that I, you know, feel are of high status that are going to look down their noses at me now. Oh, well, you, you got fooled by this fat dude who is not anybody, you know, who never went to college or did anything like that. So I, I felt that there was a bit of classism that played into her in action at the end there too, that she was unwilling to give up on the dream because, well, if I just stay with it, it's going to come true. It'll be fine. Nobody will ever know about all this other crap that happened. And I will be able to regain my status. I will be the same, you know, well-respected restaurant owner and, uh, you know, have this amount of money. And it's, it's so I, I think that there was a, a, some of her ego played into that too. And he of course knew how to play that, but I, I do think classism played into her decision to keep giving him money. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent on this one. And, and in fact, there are two ways that you can see classism reflect in Salma in the sense that it was either the persona of an Alec Baldwin type of dude or a big giant that could take care of me. The big giant, well, I own a brute. I have my own brute. I have I have my King Kong yes, yes. to take care of this tiny blown human. Yes. Or I have the well-respected, prestigious individual who... Money, power, Has the money, the power, the status, and all of that, you know. And so when, you know, we've talked about Sama almost as if she was free of guilt in this, and I don't think, yeah, if we give you that impression, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, So I'm sorry if, if we have not been... Explicit, explicit enough in, in the way that we approach this, but I think what we're trying to do here is basically to present a non-simplified way of seeing this, of watching this documentary. And I personally am not, you know, I'm one of those people who, whenever someone explains something to me, if they preface it by, in simple terms, this, 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 and that, I feel insulted. Mm-hmm. Because I have not given you an impression that if you were ex- to explain it to me the long way, I wouldn't understand it. So mm-hmm. fuck off. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Albert Einstein, on the other hand, said, you know, if you can't explain it in three, uh, in three words or, or fewer, then you don't, you don't understand your own project. And I don't think that's simplifying. I think what, what he is saying is that there should be a shorter version of your complicated project to explain, but people can still can't see the complexity of it. Mm-hmm. Is that if you can't explain it without boring the fork out of me, then you, you don't understand what you're doing. Yeah. That's a completely different thing as opposed to if you can't make it. The, the most appalling thing I heard in college in the United States was the acronym KISS. Keep, Keep it, it simple, simple, stupid. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I wanted to just walk away, like fuck off. Like this is this this is a learning institution. You're talking about keep keep, keep it simple, stupid. But then it took me a while after living in the U.S. to understand that, you know, shit, newscasters speak at a fourth grade level, <laughs> you know, Congress people speaking right at a sixth grade level. So that seems to be the jig, you know, but I cannot for the life of me bring myself to oversimplifying shit. And if if that's your thing and you that makes you not like this podcast, I'm sorry. But that's the way go about things and and that's why Jojo and I have this podcast because she's never simplified anything. <laughs> you know, Jojo Jojo is always here and and she she sees shit f- f- not necessarily from the same perspective I see it, but she's she she's got her own views and it's not the simple view either. I'm sorry I spoke for you, Jojo. Yeah, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I was just saying that. You were complimenting, complimenting me. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, uh, you know, in other words, what I'm saying is, is this is the dynamic to this podcast. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to us for the first time mm-hmm. and you think we're just two people who are just justifying some blonde bimbo, that's not what we don't hear. No. No, I, I fully believe that she is culpable for for many things. I mean, she is an adult. She did make decisions. But I also believe that you can be an adult and culpable and have been influenced by bad people. <laughs> exactly. Those two <laughs> things can be true. That can They can go together. It's not entirely black and white. You aren't all good. You aren't all bad. So... Yes, she's culpable in this. Yes, she did bad things. Yes, she deserved sentencing and to be prosecuted. But that doesn't mean that she wasn't horribly treated by this person and brainwashed by this person and made to believe things that weren't true by this person that influenced her actions. Because up until the point she met him, she was true blue, straightened as an arrow. Yes. You know, she was she was making sure that her employees got paid. She was making sure that her bills got paid. Um, you know, the investor that worked with her, I think his name was Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Jeffrey yeah. Chodorov. Yeah, the investor that worked with her. He, he chose her over a, you know, a male uh, yeah. chef in, yeah. in a very male dominated industry yes. because he respected her and believed he believed that she was blew, it yes. she was the it girl she was yes you know. yes she really was and things were going her way until she met this person so anybody that thinks that they're strong enough to withstand anything or to not be influenced by a person and that a person can't change you, that you will always be the same is, is, is kind of full of bullshit because you see what happened to her while she was in the relationship with him. Now that she's out of the relationship with him, she actually has been making steps towards trying to pay back some of her debts. She's trying to make amends, which I think speaks again to her character and what she truly is, as opposed to what happened to her when she became part of his, his, his crazy nuclei got sucked into his cult of a black hole, you know? So again, she is culpable. She is an adult. She did bad things. She did terrible things, but 
you know, it's much like if you could think of it as someone who is addicted to drugs, I'm not going to say that people who are addicted to drugs get a pass, but if you're, if she had been on heroin when this happened, um, which is something she kind of talks about, like, I wish he had given me drugs, but if she'd been on heroin when this happened, I almost feel like people would be more understanding. Yes. Like, oh, yes. you know, well, that's terrible. And yeah, she should, she should definitely go to jail, but let's get her help. Let's get her right. rehab. You know, let's, let's, let's open arms to her when she comes out of prison. Let's help her get chances and that kind of thing. But that's not going to happen because it wasn't a drug she was on. She was under the influence of a person who was more destructive almost than yes. a drug. Yes, yes, yes. And if you are under the impression that, you know, she's milking this story and you haven't watched the documentary or you haven't gotten there, maybe I will, we will let you find out for yourself. But to be honest with you, the fact is the money for the rights to this story went straight to the people, the employees of the restaurant that she owed and these people are finally getting paid. So it's not like she is trying to you know, make a bunch of money out of this or whatever. Again, it, it, it's, all of this should say something about her. But if all you can be is judgmental, then that's on you. So we're going to leave you to it, you know. But we try to make it, to at least to put it in terms that if you apply a bit of understanding and compassion you will you will see more than what there is than what you know the documentary said or anything like that so that was the whole purpose of this yep. Jojo I think we've talked about this long enough to call it a day <laughs> <laughs> I, I really screamed at the TV for the first two episodes this wasn't an enjoyable thing to do to be honest with you like watching these with the amount of compassion that it needed to be watched was was sort of hard yeah do you know what i mean but but getting through it and understanding what we just seen and having this conversation with you always is edifying so i could not be more thankful for your friendship and and you co-hosting this podcast with me <laughs> <laughs> So, before we go, of course, we're going to let you know that uh, you can find us on social media. Again, a lot of thanks to folks on YouTube. We probably don't say this enough, but there is a very short version of the podcast that is posted on YouTube every week on Thursday. Thursday or Friday. So, if you prefer to listen to this version, to the audio version, perfectly fine. This is where all the meat and potato is, and I, I personally enjoy podcasts, of course, I'm a podcaster. But for those of you who would rather have a very short and sort of like, not superficial, but sort of like on the surface version of it, YouTube is there for you. You can find us kicking and streaming there. And, uh, and if you have a friend who you're like, oh, I wish they would listen to this podcast, but you know, I know that they're, they just don't have the time or the attention span or whatever, you can send them to our YouTube channel and they'll get, you know, kind of a, a little condensed version and you guys can talk about it. So, and, and to be like, I, I want to say this, when I said that, you know, one hour of this podcast, we summarize it in, in, in about 12 minutes on YouTube. 
it's not a re, it's not a diluted version to be honest with you like i i i do this editing and i i rewatch it over and over before posting to 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 make sure that the essence of this podcast of what you heard on the podcast is there on the youtube version there are a lot of things that we go into in the podcast that clearly could be edited but for the nature of podcasts it's we still leave it there because it, it it makes more of our point but if you were to watch it on video of course it might bore you or whatever so we have to like i say remove the fluff but it's not like a completely dilu diluted version of the podcast just so you know if you want to listen to the podcast and then go watch the version on, of youtube and you let us know what you thought right that's right so you can find jojo exclusively and only on instagram as kns co-host there you go and you'll find kicking and streaming just by doing a search or you can go to our website kicking and streaming podcast.com and you will see all the ways you can follow us on social media and all the apps on which you can find this podcast. At the same time, while you are visiting kickinginstreamingpodcast.com, if you do a click on buy me a coffee, it will take you there and it will instruct you on the different ways you could help this podcast subsist and uh, by buying us a coffee or buying us yeah. actually a beer because I have coffee yeah. aplenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so you be the first one, you know, don't be afraid. Like, I know that it's easy to go and say, well, nobody has done anything, so I'm not. We want you to be the first one. Don't leave it for somebody else. There's never going to be the first one if you're not the first one. And seriously, we will continue to do this podcast for as long as we can. And for the last three years, we haven't had any sponsors or Patreon or anything like that. That doesn't mean, obviously, we wouldn't welcome the help and the recognition. So be the first one. Be the first one. And uh, we will shout you out. We will damn, man, celebrate you and shit. We'll be like, yo! <laughs> right, Georgia? That's right. If that's what you want. If that's not what you want, then say, hey, please don't mention me. But, you know, yeah. 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 We, can, we can just say, hey, yeah. somebody bought us a coffee. We're yeah, happy. Exactly. <laughs> and move on. <laughs> <laughs> and with that said, we are going to call it a date. This is me, Graham, and Jojo. We're saying goodbye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.